call this a town hall special because it is special because we're going to let people interact and uh and talk with us about what we saw last night and hopefully what we see on sunday should we just get rolling vince you think i think so just to get, maybe we'll give just, people two more minutes we'll start baseline yeah we'll start yeah, baseline we'll just chill out how was um how was the flight pretty good yeah for anybody that's in the room now that doesn't know i was traveling for work this week so it was extremely inconvenient i had to uh basically i watched the first half in the airport bar had to board right as the second half was getting started and unfortunately Mm -hmm. the plane did not have tvs Uh, oh man yeah huge bummer so i had to watch the second half what company was it uh it was delta if i can ask okay that's weird though because every time i've flown delta They've had the TVs. Yeah, I think it was one of their partner airlines or something because it, it it's not a heavily trafficked route, Boston to Kansas City. I was in Kansas City for work. And it was, uh, I think there was like 10 people on that flight and six of them were with my company. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That was, yeah, that was a light flight then. Yeah. <laughs> so, light flight. I don't um, think that they're so, going like high-end luxury with TVs with it. No, but they should because that was an inconvenience to any USMNT fans. Exactly. Like all six of us on the flight who were all pissed off. <laughs> yeah, watching. all six of you. That's six more than you want, though. Exactly. <laughs> um, we will, we'll go ahead and get started here. And if anyone wants to chime in at any point and talk with us, just do the like raise your hand thing you can do in spaces. And we'll let you chat with us. Uh, we want this to be a, like a fun, open thing that we do. Uh, to chat and talk about the United States games that we saw, uh, especially last night and the one coming up on Sunday. Um, and first of all, Vince, let's just talk about the the way the game started. This is either now a bad habit with this team, or I don't know what it is. I, I, I'm interested to hear what you think about uh, this team not turning it on until the second half. I don't know if it's bad tactics to start every game, or if it's – I don't know what it is. What do you think about this – now this thing we have of the U.S. being a second-half team? Well, the first thing for last night, it was extremely inconvenient because I was hoping that I was getting on that plane um, with a 3 nothing lead and I wouldn't have to worry about it the entire flight home. But unfortunately, that's not how it went. And you're right. This is a, this is a pattern at this point. And I'm I, – I can't – I, I honestly don't know exactly what it is. Certainly, we're more fit than a lot of the teams that we play. So in the second half, it seems like we're able to kind of take advantage of some of those situations a little bit better than our opponents because we tire them out. We're, we're a very energetic bunch, uh, very very young, obviously fresh legs. So I think that we take advantage of that specifically. But it's disappointing to me that we start off games slowly and we have to wait for the second half um, as we tire down the opponent with our with our energy. I, I wish that we could just get the game started quicker. Yeah, it's so weird because um, I had a couple of friends ask me before the game. They were like, hey, I'm going to play some money on this game. Like, what bets do you like? And I said, uh, draw first half plus 170. 
and because I was like every U.S. game, if you can take them to draw the first half or or be zero zero at half, like that's good money because mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens it happens more often than not. And we saw it again last night. I think that first half though, just going half by half here, there was some incredible action, especially down that right hand side with uh, McKinney, Dest, and Weah. They and even Adams looped in there a couple times where there was a lot of one touch passes that eventually yeah. led to either a Weah or Dest uh, breakaway down the right wing. That looked really good in the first half. It was just kind of missing that final touch, like we saw Jesus Ferreira miss. Uh, that tap in at the at the back post, which kind of sucked. But like I thought, the right side was great in that first half. It just kind of missed that last part. Yeah, I agree. It was funny. A lot of the play came from the right side in the first half and the left side in the second half. Um, I didn't think anybody played particularly badly. Uh, maybe with ironically the exception of Christian Pulisic, um, who had, I did not have his best game, and I think even he would say that. Um, and, and honestly, he, he wasn't having a good game. So even, even if it was tied zero, zero still, and without like his injury history, I I just think it was probably the right call to bring him off. It was well-documented, um, in the well-documented in the, at halftime, how far Pulisic was pushed in that was really killing, uh, the U S not not killing, but Pulisic was not far enough out on the wing to stretch the defense. He was like basically playing yeah. a second striker under Ferreira. Right. And I think I think it comes down to Pulisic thinks he has to do so much, uh, just because that's the way he's been like raised to do it, kind of in the system. Um, but I think once he realizes he doesn't have to do everything and he doesn't have to try to one v two or one v three guys on the dribble. I think we end up in a be- way better place when he realizes that he can just uh, play the way, not the way he does at Chelsea, but in, in a different way. And honestly, he'll get hurt less often because he just needs to release the ball a little bit sooner. And he needs to, he needs to just try to get into those places where he's not trying to take three or four guys on. Um, instead, you know, just take on the one. He's very good at dribbling. I mean, that's, a, that's something that is obviously one of his best skills. So I don't want to take that away from him but he just doesn't have to do it as often as he tries to. And with his average positioning, you're absolutely right. And I wonder if that's a combination of one or two things. One, certainly he tries to be the hero on basically every play for the U.S. men's national team. This is just what he does. But secondly, he's not playing as a winger at the club level. He's really operating in those half spaces. So is he just kind of showing up there regularly because that's what he's used to, playing day in and day out and training, et cetera? So he's just not really pushing out wide. And so it's just like kind of habit forming at this point. That's something I've wondered too. Yeah, I did wonder that with um, with the way that he's been played at Chelsea too lately. Um, to play as like a more inside, uh, more of an attacking mid instead of a winger at Chelsea whenever he's not playing right wing, wing back. Does that get him used to playing under the striker? I don't know. Um, yeah. I did love, however <laughs> – Taylor Twelman during the broadcast made a very good point. He said, "Yeah, Pulisic might not be performing at Chelsea and not happy, but uh, only like two of their attackers are." I loved that because um, it really did bring to light the the Chelsea problems there are. Not only for Pulisic, it's not just a Pulisic struggle there; it is a like everyone but a couple guys struggle. Yep. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think that this team, um, you know, with Pulisic in it anyway, still needs to gel a little bit more. I think they had found that kind of uh, that kind of chemistry specifically against Mexico. It seemed like they had gotten it. But now that you're trying to kind of integrate Pulisic and then when Reyna comes back, you're going to try to reintegrate him as well. And so some of those chemistry issues might still exist because those players, you know, feel like rightly feel like they're star players in this team. Um, but it's just going to be interesting to kind of see how they develop, develop chemistry yes. with the rest of this guy, these guys. Yeah, something we didn't talk about before we started talking about the game, but as far as the starting 11 went, the only thing that it was really in question was that Jesus Ferreira up top. Uh, I think everyone loved the rest of the lineup. We got, you know, it kind of surprised me that Chris Richards started, but then again, not really, um, because he has been playing in the Bundesliga and Miles Robinson has had a couple months off. So I, I understand Burhalter probably not wanting to throw out Robinson and Zimmerman together and they haven't played for a few months uh, or at least two months um, so, yep. I, so I understand that I, I think that was definitely a part of it but like the rest of the lineup I think everyone was on board with except uh, Ferreira starting yeah I agree that basically that was the only head scratcher for me the rest of the lineup I was fine with in fact I was pleasantly surprised that Chris Richards was starting I thought that he would he would start Miles and um, Zimmerman, who, who I would have been honestly fine with besides the fact that they're both out of season. They both have played very, very well throughout World Cup qualifiers. It's not like I'm killing Greg for starting those two guys. The only reason why that would have been somewhat confusing is because both of them are out of season. So I was kind of glad that he played Chris, who's playing extremely well in the Bundesliga. And he looked calm last night. Didn't have a lot to do defensively, but I thought that his distribution was really good. Um, he didn't make any bad decisions, and that kind of goes a long way as well. Yeah, just, I, just a reminder, y'all. Just make sure you raise your hand. Turn, we'll turn on your mic. You can you can talk. This is a this is a conversation. You don't have to just listen to us. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, just let us know if you want to talk or chime in on any point, and uh, we'll we'll talk with you and see what you have to say. Um, I thought overall the the possession style worked well last night, as it's supposed to against the El the team like El Salvador. Um, there were t- some some uh, some scary moments in the counter that El Salvador had uh, in the first half that I can think of specifically where certain guys held on to it for a little long and they got just got taken away and then El Salvador was on the break. Um, El Salvador did a good job of making things like tough and just annoying, uh, which is what CONCACAF is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously all these qualifiers have been – harder than I think that we would like. Um, and El Salvador did a really good job in both of those games. And credit to um, to Hugo Perez for, for doing that. I mean, he's, he's an excellent, excellent coach. That El Salvador team does not have a ton of talent. The talent that it does have, he recruited directly, basically as dual nationals from the States. Um, and even though they're not even going to come close to qualifying for the World Cup, they may even finish bottom of the group or second to bottom of the group. But I, I think that they've outperformed their talent and have looked uh, looked well at times. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, just going around the uh, other CONCACAF games there were yesterday before we dive in, in deeper to this game, there was a point whenever there was a lot of hope for USMNT fans out there uh, that Jamaica was beating Mexico 1-0 and they were down to 10 men. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought I was thinking in the middle of that game, whenever the score was coming up on the top right of ESPN, uh, I was like, 
if Mexico loses this game to 10-man Jamaica, Tata's out. Like, I did not think of any way that he could go around yeah. that. I thought he would be packing his bags by the time he left the stadium. Absolutely. Yeah, would, that, that would have been the nail in the coffin. He's already under some heat as well. Um, I was Honestly, I was just waiting for the shoe to drop. I, I didn't think that they'd lose that game. <laughs> so, no, I, no. I, it, Jamaica made, obviously made life difficult for them. Um, you know, we, they made life difficult for us in Kingston as well. So, I mean, it's, they're, they're a decent team. They've got some talent. Um, you know, they're capable of a couple individual moments. It's not surprising that they put up a good fight, but I never expected Mexico to lose that. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of stunk. I was like, man, it would have been really nice for Mexico to actually lose. Um, so then we don't have to, we have a little more of like a, a gap. But, uh, you know, we're fine. We're fine going into the next game. Looking more at the uh, El Salvador game, though, before we get in, into more Canada. And, of course, anyone listening who just joined, you can, uh, like, raise your hand or whatever it is on Twitter spaces, and, and we'll talk with you about what you thought about the game because we want to talk uh, with our listeners and see what you guys uh, have to say about the game last night. Literally let us know anything, and we'll talk about it. Um, but as last night, not only the Pulisic not performing the best and still winning – um, I was thinking in the middle of that game, throughout the whole game, really, is how lucky are we that Tyler Adams will be a part of our midfield for the next, like, 12 years at least? Absolutely. I mean, all three of those guys, Tyler, Eunice, and Yeah, West. yeah, 100%. It's, it, I mean, it's just, it's, we're blessed. <laughs> Eunice specifically, did you see that improvisation move that he had? Uh, I tweeted out earlier yeah. today, and I, I, I thought it, like, when I was watching, when I was watching it live, I just, I literally just um, let out like a yelp as soon as he made the play. I was just like, "Oh my god, what a player!" <laughs> like I literally said that yeah. out loud, and um, everybody in the airport was just looking at me. But I was like, "I don't care, I don't care." But it's just, it, he's just such a good player. He's so talented. He he's so good at those kind of like split second decisions where you know the ball just pops up on him in a space or somebody kind of kind of gets a piece of it and he just kind of you know manipulates it and finds a way out of the pressure. Um, and you can tell that like, he's just basically improvising in the moment and it's just, it comes off for him so often, um, Mm -hmm. that I find that really interesting. It's just, it's almost like the improvisation itself is a skill for him. I had one of those moments, uh, in the first half with Weston McKinney, whenever I think he dribbled around someone, um, in the midfield, but then switched it out wide to Anthony Robinson. I, 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 I literally, I, I was like, wow, like, this is a player at Juventus who has progressed so much in the last few months. And it's incredible to see, like last night watching Weston McKinney, I was like, that's our best player on the field right now. Um, yep. he, was, he was incredible all night long. And uh, props to him and Tyler Adams, because Tyler Adams held it down as well. With a midfield like that, that can control a game and create opportunities. And like you said, Yunus Musa had his moments as well. With a midfield like that, it's a great feeling to know that you can keep control of a game, uh, especially in CONCACAF. Yeah. Dalton, do you, do you and anybody else, I'd like to hear your thoughts as well, do you start them again in the next game? Yeah. For me, I, I start the same three. I might not if it's not Canada and they're not top of the table. But especially seeing the way they played in the first game and knowing that three points against Canada would be huge for the World Cup qualification, I think you start the same three and you and you roll with it. I would also love to hear anyone else's thoughts on this, if anyone else has any. But 
I think you roll with the same three and you don't mess with it um, because, like I said, just seeing how well they played the first game and seeing that midfield control the game, I don't see any reason to mess with it. What do you think? I, th- I think you do, and I think they will. Um, to play devil's advocate, here's why you wouldn't. If you play the three of them together again, um, and then they get tired, you draw Canada 1-1 or even lose, and then you you prob- – I don't know if you can start all three, all three games in a row. Um, mm-hmm. So then you're, you might be rotating a little bit against Honduras in the home game, which is the one that you really actually kind of need to win. Um, so just to play devil's advocate, you know, is there some strategy where you rotate against Canada, you know, you put in, in the cost or LDLT or whoever, um, with the instruction of like, Hey, just fight, get us to the 60th minute. And then you, you sub in whoever is, uh, didn't start in that, in the game. Like if, if it's Eunice, that's getting rested or something like that, you sub in Eunice at the 60th minute, Eunice has yeah. 30 minutes to kind of do his thing. And then he's, he's fresher for Honduras. Um, where I'm not as actually worried about Tyler or Wes going th- starting all three games. Eunice doesn't strike me as completely at that fitness level where he's ready to kind of start three games in, in seven days or so. Yeah, I was going to say, if one player doesn't start against Canada, I assume it would be Musa, and I would hope it would be LDLT who started in his place. Um mm-hmm. But, of course, we don't know what uh, Greg Berhalter would be thinking, uh, whether it be Kellen Acosta or uh, LDLT. But overall, yeah, I'm still going to stick with my answer. of I I think all three should start because I think this is going to be the more difficult game. Not that Honduras is going to be easy, but I think if you want to rest one of those or two of those guys, I think it would be easier to do against Honduras or bring them in at a 60th minute um, than it would be against Canada who are going to be very motivated to try and beat us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. It's also going to be to see, you know, what Burhalter does with Polisic. Obviously he brought him off in the 60th minute, I think to probably keep him fresh so that he can start all three games. Um, but he's struggling, man. He is. And I, I don't think it's any secret. And Aronson and Wea have both performed so well. I wonder if there is any thought process to kind of sit him down and be like, you know, are you there mentally? Do you want to sit this in and, and come in as a sub? Or are you, is that, is that a more effective role for you right now? He's looked really good, obviously coming off the bench against Mexico. Um, you know, so, so it's just, it's one of those things where I just wonder where he's at mentally. He's disclosed some of the challenges that he's having right now. Um, you know, Donovan was talking about it a little bit on Grant Wall's podcast about having like the weight of the world on his shoulders and, and I just I, I don't know if he necessarily needs to. I wish that somebody would just kind of pull him aside and say, you know, hey, you don't need to feel that way anymore. This team is riddled with young, energetic, budding stars in Europe. You don't need to carry this team on your back. You don't. You can play within the confines of the system. You can, you know, work with Greg to make sure that your excel yet that your your skill set is being accentuated. And at that point you'll be kind of set free and let loose and you can perform better. But right now it just seems like he really wants to play kind of that hero ball role that he needed to play when the talent pool wasn't, it wasn't what it is today. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I don't, it might take someone like a player to, to maybe pull him aside and be like, man, like you got 10 of us out there who are 
like uh, also doing very well over in Europe. I think it also doesn't like Pulisic. I not that I guarantee it, but I, I bet that he also feels like these are his best chances to shine and get game time because week yeah. to week in Chelsea, he has no idea if he's going to start, if he's going to play. So he's like, okay, the game's with the U.S. I know I'm going to start. I know I'm the star. Um, and, and he yeah. is still looked at as the face of U.S. soccer. So that pressure is definitely there. Um, yep. Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely tough. And it's something he's going to have to get used to, especially if slash when we qualify for the World Cup. Like, you got to rely on those those around you. Yeah, it's Tyler, right? Tyler would be the one that would have to kind of sit him Tyler, down. Tyler or even, or even Weston. I think one of those both. two, yeah. maybe both of them, just to be like, hey, like, we got you. Uh, you don't have to <laughs> try all this, you know? Well, and this is why I said what I said earlier today. You know, if, if Christian is going to leave and the rumor's saying, you know, that, that he's going to be one of a few players at Chelsea that are going to listen to offers this summer, um, and I think he definitely should, you know, finish the season. I, I don't think he sh- – I, I said this earlier, and obviously the window's about to close, so – um, seems like it's it's over from this point, but I didn't think that he should move yet. I think he should continue to fight for his place for the rest of the season. But if the situation doesn't change at Chelsea for the next four months, I think he should be looking for a move, um, if nothing else, just to get a good run of games in before the World Cup begins. And um, one of the things I said, I said, you know, what, it, it would be a very interesting situation if he went to Juventus. He's he's ha- he's struggling with some mental health issues. Well, guess who's on Juventus? One of his absolute best friends in the world. Somebody that he's known since he was, you know, in, I think, his preteens. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, it, that would be a very good situation. From Juventus's perspective, that, that, that attacking trio of Pulisic, Chiesa, and um, Dusan. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm going yeah. to mispronounce his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But but that attacking trio would be incredible, and two midfielders behind him of Locatelli and and McKenney to add to that. That would be a really good lineup. Um, so I th- I think it fits for both parties. No, yeah, I would agree. Um, I actually talked about this on the soccer academy with Corey this last week about just Pulisic's situation. I think after this season, he has two and a half. Years. Did we lose you? No, am I? Do you have me? Yeah, I got you back now. Okay, uh, like in, I think he has two and a half years left on his contract after this season, and then it becomes like if Chelsea don't think he's going to stick around after that contract, you might as well try and sell him for maximum value this summer. And I think Juventus makes a lot of sense. I think if Arsenal wanted him, I think that makes a lot of sense. But who knows with the way Martinelli's been playing. But I think I think ultimately for him right now in his career, he does need to go somewhere that you're going to get playtime and you're going to be like not coddled, but you're going to be appreciated for what you are. Yeah. Appreciated for what you are. And I, I kind of I want him to play with 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 a friend of his like, you know, I, I that just seems right. If it's if it's going somewhere with Tyler, if it's going somewhere with Wes, going something going somewhere with Dest, like whoever it is. Um, I, I just think he'd have more fun if he has if he's got his friends around him. Mm-hmm. That would be something that I think would be a good situation for him. Um, what do you guys say? All, all the listeners, if you, what do you think about Pulisic's situation? Would you like him to move? Would you like him to start against Canada? Or do you think he's better 
in a bench role even for the U.S. right now, uh, the way that he's doing things for Chelsea? Or would you rather start him every game and really understand, like, obviously he's our most talented player, you start him. Um, but clearly something's just not right with him. He's, he's obviously not in great form. What would you guys do? I, I'd be curious for anybody that wants to speak up. Yeah, I'd be curious to know, too, if, if anyone out there uh, either agrees with us or, or doesn't agree that, hey, Chelsea's the best spot because they have great players and a great situation for them. Um, but it, it's interesting, too. Last night I was thinking during the game, I was like, you know, we have all these players from countries who are uh, who who are on the same team. Obviously, it happens all the time. Like especially if you're on a, a team in the Premier League, there's a lot of English players. If you're on a team in La Liga, like Real Madrid, there's a lot of Spanish players. Typically, we don't really have any situation right now over in Europe where there's two Americans um, mm-hmm. on the on a same team starting weekly. Um, which would be an interesting different dynamic where you have each other um, in something that like makes you look at it differently. Like, Oh yeah. Like uh, I might be struggling right now, but I have someone to talk to. I have one of my USMNT teammates. I think it does add a different dynamic and you don't feel so alone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've, I, I said this a, a few months ago where it was like that, that is the next stage of our development. You know, with you, you see this a lot in any of these um, like all or nothing documentaries, things like that. Obviously, they're put on by the club. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of propaganda there. But one common theme in every single season is like for the Argentines or the Brazilians or, or you know, some of the foreign players that are there. They always kind of are hanging out together because they don't really feel a part of the culture, really. Right. Like when mm-hmm. they're at an yeah. English club, the Argentines all hang out. They all go to each other's houses. The Americans don't really have that kind of niche. In Germany, they have a little bit of a, a club there because there's so many players just playing in Germany in close situations. So they're able to kind of go to each other's house for Thanksgiving. You saw that with Wes and, and, and Pulisic a couple of years ago. Um, you know, So you've got kind of like a little niche place where they can kind of all centralize. They can go see each other on the weekends um, after each other's games. But on the same club, seeing each other day in, day out in training, you're absolutely right. Like there's not that kind of like, closeness where the people coming from a common background you're starting to see you know current player current um either starter or squad rotation player plus a prospect that are american so like you've got that with hoffenheim um where richards and justin che are there uh but justin che is not quite into that like rotational starter you know spot starter kind of role he's just kind of there for developmental purposes. I think he's probably going to bet in for the next four months um, and then really kind of hit the ground running next year. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Fulham, Fulham, I guess, is the one where you have Anthony Robinson, Tim Ream. They play with each other regularly. Um, Caden Clark, here, obviously. Possibly with, Caden Clark, possibly with Tyler Adams at Leipzig. Yeah, that's not going to um, he's not, he's not yeah, ready, he's, and I think Leipzig he's not knows be it. In the, He's not going to be in the Bundesliga this year, but if Tyler Adams sticks around for a little longer when Caden Clark is there, that's a possible U.S. partnership on that team. Yeah, and obviously Salzburg is going to want to play um, play the feeder into Leipzig for, for Aronson. If they can kind of stave off leads, um, leads for him, I think Leipzig might be interested in Aronson next year. So maybe you've got two or three guys if Tyler Adams either does go or doesn't go. Um Venezia obviously has Busio and Tanner Tessman, and they obviously hang out a lot. 
Uh, and maybe P Fox coming media. up, possibly. Yeah, maybe P Fox coming up too. So, so like, there's a couple of those that that have a few that are that have played together. Um, Prentice just went to Wolfsburg with John Anthony Brooks for at least the next three months, four months. Yeah, um, yeah. seems like he's on his way out. So, you know, it's just it, you've got a couple of those, but the next stage of our development is like all of these big clubs kind of have two or three, if they're if not starters, certainly squad members from the U.S. That's really where it is with Argentina, Brazil. Like you kind of have those, um, you know, you have several players on each of these big clubs and maybe they're not all national team players, but they come from the background and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that that's the thing, like, right, I, I'm not pretending that we are at the stage of Brazil and Argentina. First, the first goal was like, OK, let's catch Mexico. Um, let's catch and pass Mexico. Let's ma- let's make sure that we're kind of like becoming that kind of feeder from the Americas. And then after we catch and pass Mexico, um, then it's catching up with the other two major giants of the Americas and saying like, OK, so well, Brazil and Argentina are that next tier up where they're really tier one national team programs. Versus Mexico, it's really like a tier two program. Um, so once you kind of push yourself into that level, can you push into that tier one where you're exporting enough talent to have that same type of um, that those same type of numbers on all of these clubs that the Argentines and the Brazilians do? Yeah, one hundred percent. A couple things to take away from the El Salvador game, or a couple questions. Uh, if anyone else has any questions about the game they want to discuss, uh, just do the request to speak thing. We'd love to hear what you want to discuss about the El Salvador game. But as far as what I, what I would like to discuss, first of all, is uh, areas of improvement to work on, especially, um, especially in that first half. That was a little cagey. Um, what are your thoughts on what needs to be improved on going forward besides improving in the first half? <laughs> Something that we can't do. Um, what are some things you, that you looked at and you were like, okay, this is an area of improvement for me. It was one, definitely the finishing, which I think comes whenever hopefully we start peppy. And I think Mm -hmm. that, that, that becomes a better area for us. And then, uh, like is it it sounds easy, but making sure Pulisic stays out wide, uh, as a left winger, those are just a couple areas that I saw that I was like, okay, this would help the team tremendously. What about you? There, there were two major things that, you know, everybody could notice the finishing. The second, I, I, again, I, I hate to pile on Jesus Ferrer. I think he's a very good player. I just don't think he fits the system. I wouldn't be playing with a false nine, um, specifically with Pulisic. And so if we keep talking about where Pulisic likes to be on the field, he likes to kind of operate in that half space. He likes to kind of float. He likes to help out in midfield help out with the possession, help out with the, you know, moving into the attacking third of the pitch. And if you're, if you're going to have a player, one of your forward three already kind of doing that, what happens when you play with a false nine that's also doing that? You mentioned this earlier of like him trying to occupy the same spaces as Pulisic was, Jesus Ferreira was. Um, so if this is the case, then you can't play both of them. Because it doesn't make any sense to then just leave Wea isolated as the only one that's kind of pushing into the attack. Um, and, and so I just, I hate playing with that out-and-out false nine. You can have aspects of the false nine with a guy like Pepe, um, Sargent, etc., who are both also good with their back to goal, able to kind of help the attack be that focal point um, or help, help midfield and, and be that focal point to kind of relieve pressure. But 
at the same time able to get into the box and transition to, to the inside the box play very quickly because that's when you're going to see Pulisic at his best when he's free to kind of operate in those spaces in and around the box versus, um, you know, completely on the isolated on the wings. Um, so if that's the case, like I just wouldn't be playing Asus Ferreira. So that that's, that's one thing I think I'd like to change is just have somebody that's actually going to be operating in the box a little bit more um, so that Pulisic's able to, to roam freely. The, the other thing that I would do is, the passing just wasn't quick enough in the first half. You might notice this, like people, players were just taking a little bit too many touches on the ball. And then when they were making passes, it was sloppier in the first half than it was in the second half. They settled down in the second half, but it just didn't see the, all, the entire play seemed very sloppy to me in the first half. And in particular, the passes just didn't seem to, to be quite quick enough. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And it, on your first point there, there was a couple of times whenever way would get the ball out wide with space and he was ready to deliver a cross in, and there was just no one there. Uh, maybe yeah. Pulisic and Ferreira were nearly at the edge of the box, but they weren't, like, in the box ready for a cross, and that was kind of killer. Um, like, Waya can put in a perfect ball, but if no one's there, then what's it matter? And I think that goes back to the part of Pulisic and Ferreira kind of play contrast, not contrasting, but two similar styles, that they both want to drop back into the midfield and help out. And that doesn't bode well whenever you have two forwards that want to do that and there's no one forward whenever it actually comes time. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, with that said, we we could be critical about the first half. There was things that I didn't like. It wasn't a bad performance, and that that is brought out by the XG statistics. Like, they should have scored in the first half. They just didn't put the ball in the back of the net. So it's like it. we could tighten things up. We could play a little bit better. But all things considered – the performance is good enough to beat El Salvador oh. three or four nothing yesterday. We just didn't do it because we didn't have a striker in the game. <laughs> Overall, I felt like pretty good about yesterday's performance. Uh, just as in regards to like we talked about already, the midfield was was awesome. Uh, there were some really good takeaways from that game last night that we can build on. Uh, we're just like we're kind of nitpicking here, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, but but and I, the other, there was a lot of good yeah. points that I, I left feeling really optimistic about. Yeah, and the other thing is like maybe maybe not even just to be critical on Ferrer individually. It's obviously a team sport, right? But like as this team evolves, they're very young. They need to learn when to be clinical, put their foot on the throat, and just put teams away. Be like, okay, we've got them pinned. We need to just finish this off. They, we, we want to see out two, three goals in the first half. We don't want to be, we don't want to be sweating this out at the end. Like that's a skill learning some of those things that, that, that you just kind of have to be clinical. Don't be overly, you know, if don't use your flair overtly in the first half, you don't need to be all tricky. Just be effective, finish a couple plays and then start getting cute. Yeah, yeah, 100. Did you feel like whenever Pulisic got taken out, the air was kind of taken out of the U.S., or not attack, but just U.S. in general? Like, it felt like we were playing like the game was already over. And it was like, we're one goal up here. Like, one one chance by El Salvador, and we leave here with one point. And that wasn't, like, very good to see, but it felt like the team was like, eh, we got this. And it was not over. Yeah, I agree. They just didn't put their foot on the gas. That's what I said, like, what teams learn and what you learn from watching the big teams in the Premier League is like 
you're not relaxing until you're three up. Three up is like, okay, that's the game is put away now. And now you can basically kind of just play your possession game and, um, and limit, uh, limit opportunities in transition. But like when you're one, nothing up, it's one mistake, one bad pass and they're right back in the game. And it makes zero sense to kind of let off the gas at that point. So I, I, I just would love for this team to kind of develop a little bit more of that killer instinct where when they know that they have a team on the ropes, just finish the plays off, be effective in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't mentioned him yet, but great job to uh, Anthony Robinson. Great job to him on that goal, on that finish Uh, overall, really good game by him. And I think he cemented the fact that he's our starting left back. Uh, Not really any questions asked about that. And it was already cemented, I think. But what a, what a game by him. Yeah, and, you know, actually, he was one that I was pretty critical about in the, in the first half. I didn't think that he was playing particularly well. He had that awkward position, uh, awkward play where he, like, just ran right into Pulisic and almost hurt him. Yeah, that was very awkward. It was a very awkward play. And, and so, like, there's a couple different things where he just looks like Anthony Robinson is fantastic when he has that space up the channel and he just goes, right? Like, he, he's really good at just kind of going up and back, you know, back and forth, back and forth, up and down, up and down. Um, but he really only knows one gear. That's my thing with him is like, he really only knows one gear and that's like 80 miles an hour. And mm-hmm. that's really good in places. But sometimes I think he just kind of needs to learn how to, you know, take a step back um, and, and play a little bit more possession ball. And that just doesn't really lend itself to playing in the championship. If you watch the championship, it, he's a very good championship player for a reason. And that's because he plays at that kind of breakneck pace. And that's the way the championship is. Um, but uh, yeah, he just needs to, to learn to be a little bit smarter at times. And that was kind of brought out in the first half. But then in the second half, it was like he was a totally different player. All of a sudden, he just he played extremely, extremely well in that second half. Did all the things that you want to see out of him. And um, like you said, got the goal. And he's been all this entire World Cup qualifying campaign um, a really bright spot. And I think as well, he's cemented his spot at the left back position. Yeah. Yeah. And unless anyone has anything to add about the El Salvador game, uh, the big takeaway from that game is uh, three points is three points in world cup qualifying. We, uh, we got it done. A win is a win. We leave with three points. We're still second behind Canada because they won their game. Um, what a goal by Jonathan David, by the way, if anyone hasn't seen that goal yet, uh, Jonathan David's not only his control with his chest uh, to bring a, a, an over-the-top through ball down, but then to chip it over the keeper. With, it was incredible. Jonathan David is a heck of a player. I love that guy. Um, and, and that put Canada up 2-0 and ultimately put the game away. Did you see how Fonzo Davies uh, doing like a live watch-along of the Canada game and how happy he got when they scored? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel great. so bad for him, honestly. I I want to beat I want to beat Canada with Alfonso Davies in the lineup, not without. So Me too. it's it's too bad that he's not there. Um, it obviously helps us, but hopefully we win any we win. And I kind of would have liked to have won with him in the lineup. Then there's no excuses. But yeah, I agree. Um, and then we can move on to the Canada game, actually, which is obviously Sunday. I messed up the kickoff time on the podcast last week uh, for, for, for yesterday, but I know Sunday is at 2 o'clock uh, because that's also when the Bengals and Chiefs AFC Championship is. But as I said on the podcast, if you're a real one and you, uh, you like us and you like soccer, 
the uh, the Canada US game will be on the main screen, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know if I'll have the game, the uh, the NFL game on the second screen. I'll be too dialed in oh, to the I, US game. I, I'm not. I, I can already say that. It's just going to be US Canada for me. Um, I know that a lot of people out there, though, are going to probably dual screen it. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, if you have to choose between just NFL or dual screen, go dual screen. Um, but yeah, for me, it'll just be U.S. and Canada. I'm so excited for this game at yeah. uh, two two o'clock Central on Sunday. I should have said it's three o'clock Eastern. But yeah. look yeah, at the, the U.S. Game, U.S. game is going to be over by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, anyways. And that's really when you need to turn on an NFL game. Yeah, it's going to be like middle of the third quarter by the time uh, U.S. Canada is over. So no worries. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Wor- I'm not gonna worry about those first three quarters. Who cares? I'll turn it on yeah. again. Exactly. <laughs> U.S. and Canada, though. This is a, uh, as we like to call it, a six-pointer. This is a winner feels really good leaving Canada, and the loser feels really bad. Um, loser still probably has a good chance of qualifying for the World Cup, but it's a lot easier if you win this game in Canada and you either Canada extends their lead at the top of the table or the U.S. leapfrogs Canada and takes the lead by two points. Um, I I feel good about this game, uh, but it's like a cautiously optimistic thing because Canada is, yeah. as we saw Mexico go up there, that is a tough team to play up there. Yeah, you know they're they are the embodiment of a team. You know they they really play as a collective unit. Their team, their coach John Herdman just just has them completely bought in. Um, whether or not it's Alfonso Davies or Jonathan David at the very top end of the roster, or it's a, you know, Steven Vittoria or, you know, somebody else that's not as talented or doesn't kind of come from, um, you know, Richie Larea, like any of these guys. It's just it really interesting to see how they're all completely bought in on the system and they play within the confines of that system. Whereas at times it does seem like we still rely on on our individualism a little bit better. So it's just it's going to be an interesting contrast of styles. Um, I think that we are bringing in bringing up a team that's going to capable of winning that game, though specifically with Dave Zetterlina. Yeah. Do we know what the temperature is going to be in Hamilton on Sunday? Uh, I know it's not going to be as bad as Minnesota next week, but uh, it should it should be pretty bearable for our players. Last I saw, it was going to be pretty similar to the Columbus weather. Yeah. Yeah. So we should be good there um, overall. I feel pretty good heading into this game. Like I said, if there's one part that scares me, it's Tejon Buchanan running down the wing and burning yeah. us. Um, that that part, just looking ahead to the game Sunday, Tejon Buchanan scares me as far as yeah. and not only Jonathan David being able to put put goals away in the middle, but if Buchanan gets gets a lot of space on that wing all game, he's going to burn us. Uh, I hope yeah. that that isn't the case, but that that is part that I'm looking at where I'm like, we have to make sure that that guy, which is which is also part of uh, Tyler Adams making sure he's contained, is uh, make sure that, that guy doesn't get loose on the wing because we know how much speed he has. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's really their attack in general for me, Tejon in particular, just because of his one-on-one ability. But, you know, Jonathan David um, and and their other attackers are so impactful that you just can't let them have a moment. That's going to be the biggest thing for me. 
Um, mm-hmm. We saw this. We saw this against Jamaica, where you let a a quality, you know, world class striker have a have a moment, and it costs you a point. Um, and, and that's just really something that we can't afford to do in this game. They've got more weapons than Jamaica does, so if you let them have that space, uh, you know, they're going to exploit it. And I think that it's something that we've got to watch out for. The other thing is just, can our midfield dominate theirs? That's going to be another thing that I'm watching throughout the game as well. One thing I feel really good about, though, if I'm worried about Tejan Buchanan, I can say one thing I feel really good about. Um, I feel really good about this U.S. team that always seems to show up in the biggest of games where we've seen it against Mexico in this past year. We've seen it uh, in other games as well, where when it is needed most, when the U.S. need three points, and it feels like the pressure of the world or the pressure of the country is on the U.S. MNT, it feels like it's always the best performances and the team comes through. So I feel great about that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good too. And and honestly, like that's going to be a thing. They they need to feel like they owe Canada one because Canada got a point um, in Nashville. And if they kind of come with that edge and they come ready to execute, I think that we're going to win. Um, if they don't, you know, if they come and it's, it's kind of a little bit lackadaisical, we start off a little bit slow like we did against El Salvador, I think this is a team that can punish us. Yeah, I would agree. It's one that is kind of scary. Um and not that the fact that I think we're I think we're going to come away with three points here. I'll say that loud and clear. Um, but it is a team that if you give them a sliver of a chance or or a, or a, or a break against, like they get a, a two on three or something, uh, they they can make you pay. So that's the that's the part that our center backs are going to have to be ready. Uh, Tyler Adams is going to have to be all over the place as he usually is. And other than that, I feel pretty good, though. As long as those things are taken care of, their attack is, is taken care of in that way, I think we're in a good, space, a good spot. Yeah, agreed. Is there – I want to open it up. Is there anyone else, unless anything else you want to talk about, Vince? We don't have to talk about anything USMNT related. I just want to open it up and talk about whatever. I was asking what your favorite drink was earlier in this space, uh, what your drink of choice was. Personally, right here, I have a uh, ice cold Bud Light. That's always my go-to. I don't know why. Uh, it's how American of you. for a while. Jeez. I know, right? Perfect domestic cold brew. Uh, you had what a down e- down east, down east. I I haven't had Boston. that though, but I feel like I need to try it. Um, I'm gonna have to look at places around me that has it, but I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Just, just if you want to talk, let me know uh, what your favorite drink is. We can talk about that. I don't really care. Oh, by the way, this is not related to USMNT at all. But uh, Liverpool are gonna make a heck of a Colombian signing, Luis Diaz. I know that not many people probably even care about that, but I am stoked. <laughs> so, so what's the scouting report on this guy? He is incredibly fast on the wing. Uh, great dribbler, great at taking people one on one. Luis Diaz. If you go back and watch some of his play in Copa America in the last year, uh, he's great. He's 25 years old, so about to enter his prime, and uh, very, very excited to see. the 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 hope is that he pushes Sadio Mane to either return to old form or uh, replace him. So 
<laughs> we have a request, okay. actually. Chris Dalton, incredible last name, by the way. Um, I like that name. Uh, here we go. One second. Chris, Chris Dalton, he is connecting right now, and I'm so excited to hear what he has to say, and not only because of his last name, but he has a great pro- profile picture. Chris Dalton, uh, you are live. First of all, what is your drink of choice? It doesn't have to be alcoholic. I don't care. What's your drink of choice? Just period. Uh, rum and Coke is the drink of choice. There you oh, go. Okay. Okay. I like that. That's pretty. That, I like that a lot. What are you? Uh, what are you thinking, Chris? Yeah. So, uh, wanted to run something by you guys. Tell me if if uh, you think I'm off base, which I may well be. But uh, my concern about this team, especially against a, a quality team like Canada is I feel like the vast, vast majority of our scoring chances come from uh, the wings, particularly the right wing. And a good team that's well-coached, as Canada is, if they emphasize defensively and can execute defensively, shutting down the the crosses coming in from Wea and Dest, I don't know where our goals come from. I don't see much coming from the left or almost anything coming through the middle through the run of play. And uh, I just feel like we are too predictable in terms of where we create chances and a good team can shut us down. Chris, you're absolutely right. Like as good as MMA has been and they have been, there isn't a lot of creation that comes from the midfield at this point um, in our development. I think something that may change that is is if Reyna gets moved into the midfield. That's somebody that can really unlock a defense. I think Eunice Musso will also develop that skill over time, but he's just he's such a young player. Um, that's not really Wes's game, to be completely honest. Wes is kind of a he's, – he's a disruptor. That's what he was at Schalke. And then he really kind of – he just bosses the midfield with his physique and then gets into um, into the box with late runs. That's really kind of the focus of his game. Whereas the wing play is really where our creation is coming. You're right. A lot of it has been coming from the right. That theoretically could change if Pulisic was, hit a good run of form. Um, you know, but we, we I, I just, I don't know if we're relying on that. It just doesn't look like he's, he, he looks as comfortable um, as he has been in the past, but certainly we should be able to at least balance it out with some of our wings between Aronson, Weya, and Pulisic. We should be able to find two wings um, that can create from either side. It's just really going to be that in, be interesting to watch the development of the midfield to see if we can start chance creation out of midfield as well. I think you're absolutely right about that. Specifically for this game, the good news is that Alfonso Davies is out. And as the left wing, the left wing back, um, we're probably going to have some opportunities coming from the right because they don't have their first choice mm-hmm. left left wing back in the game. So I, I, I'm less inclined to be worried about that than if Alfonso Davies was playing. It does feel like um, the, the right side of our attack has hit a, a little better run of chemistry than the left side where the left side is still kind of struggling to find figure things out, whether it be the combination of Musa, Robinson, and Pulisic. I think it also goes back to what we said earlier of um, Pulisic. If he stays out a little bit wider, especially depending on who's uh, playing the striker position, if he's out a little bit wider, maybe he can, he can fill that space of creating down the left side. He might not be our goal scorer, but I, I do agree uh, with Vince and what you said, Chris, 
that that could be an issue. Um, I do think it helps having Alfonso Davies out, though, and hopefully I know that the U.S. is looking at game film today and Burhalter is telling Pulisic, hey, man, uh, you got to stay out a little wider and, and give that space, and then we can create from the left side too. Do you have anything else, Chris? Anything else you wanted to discuss? No, other than just say thanks for the uh, discussion. It's uh, it's a great listen. Thanks to to uh, to all of you. Yeah, thanks, thanks Chris. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, anyone listening here who doesn't uh, follow or subscribe to our podcast, we have a podcast that comes out every Wednesday. Uh, it's USMNT Thoughts. It is uh, Vince's Twitter handle. And very fun discussion discussion every week, discussing everything happening in the player pool, uh, as far as MLS here, everything you could ask for. It's called USMNT Thoughts. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun every week on Wednesday. This is just kind of an extra thing we're doing. Is there anything anybody else uh, out there wants to discuss? Like I said, doesn't have to relate to USMNT at all. I really don't care. I just want to see what everyone has to say. If anyone's enjoying their Friday night, what they're planning on doing. Um, I don't know if it sparked Chris the fact that I was talking about my Bud Light that was sitting here. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, I you know, I think it's a good discussion starter for everybody. <laughs> Is that your right. go-to regularly, Dalton? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I'm okay with mixed drinks. Um, Like, I know Chris said he likes rum and Cokes. I'm okay with mixed drinks every now and then. But I like that when I have a beer, I know exactly what I'm getting. And uh, I've found, obviously, Bud Light is my favorite, as I've said. Um, I like that I know what I'm getting. And I know uh, what it's going to taste like every time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was at a corporate retreat this week, um, as I've, I mentioned earlier, and I had a, I think I had a little bit too many whiskey sours in old fashions um, <laughs> yeah. throughout the week, so I got I got to take it a little bit easier tonight on my Friday night. So I'm I'm going um, with just beer, but with that said, I think my go-to drink is is likely whiskey. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I know a lot of people who like whiskey. I've never dabbled too much in that. Um, but I might have to eventually. One thing I can let people know in a little secret here, um, for the people that are in here, if you like mixed drinks, there's a mixed drink out there that doesn't get a lot of uh, publicity, but it's very good. I see that we have someone in here uh, that likes Syracuse. You're going to like this one, I promise you. Um, It is called an orange and orange. You just mix orange vodka with an orange energy drink. It's better with an orange energy drink than orange soda, but it's just an orange and orange. You mix two oranges together. It's incredible, I promise you, um, and it's great. It's just simply orange. That's, that's all you could ask for, and it tastes great. We do have It's going to be like the here. official Syracuse drink right there, huh? It has to be. I'm surprised it hasn't made it over there yet. <laughs> um, but uh, Ratto Road has some words. Uh, let's see what he's got. He's connecting. We're, we're going to wait and see here. Uh, let's see. You are currently muted, uh, Rado Road. I don't know your name. I just know what your Twitter says. I see that you're a Giants and Warriors fan. Uh, how Can you hear going? me now? Yeah, I got you. What's up? Um, do you think I'm crazy for hating Canada more than I hate Mexico? Because I, <laughs> I, know, I know Mexico has always been our longstanding rival. Um, but I just there's something about those Canadians that, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, Mexico at least has like my respect, 
you know they've they've kicked, uh-huh, they've kicked yeah. our butts for the last you know 30 years or so but canada hasn't done crap in the last 40 years and i feel like they're just the 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 annoying cousin that comes you know you see once every so often and now they think they're they're hot shit because they they got a nice haircut or whatever you know <laughs> yeah i i would have i would have said that you were crazy until like the last two months where all of a sudden they were they are first in the table by one point randomly and the tra- the, the the world cup qualifying campaign is not even over and their fans are just endlessly talking shit like they've done anything they they have like they haven't done anything yet they have nothing yeah. to be uh, to, to be acting like oh. all high and mighty over. You're absolutely right. Um, I I like the fact that now we've got like a three way rivalry thing going on. I'm I'm a big fan of that. I think it's going to raise the quality of the region. But you're not crazy at all. I I totally get what you're saying. I I thought that Canada was like the lovable little brother until a couple months ago, especially whenever yeah. I saw um, that TV. Uh, personality yeah. in canada that was like we've arrived we're the best yeah. in concaf we're gonna yeah the guy with this in- yeah with the cigar in his mouth or whatever yeah that's, yeah, that's exactly. kind of what yeah. turned it for me i was like who's this punk? Yeah. like who do they for think for god's sake man win a trophy first for or at least finish first in the region after world cup qualifiers right like right so, yeah you're, don't you're, be you're celebrating it's it's like if you're running a race and you start you start celebrating three fourths in and you're just like ah, i got you and, and it's like Somebody's a half length behind you or something. It's like, what are you t- what are you celebrating for? It's not over. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And you know, maybe they'll they'll beat us this weekend and, and we'll be humbled, which I don't think honestly would be the worst thing for our guys, because I think some of our guys are are maybe a little arrogant. Um just because mm-hmm. they think we, we play in the big five leagues or whatever. So like even against uh El Salvador yesterday, I feel like there was a lot of people thinking we were gonna go in there and walk in with the four nothing victory. But just because the El Salvadorians don't play in Europe, you know, doesn't mean that they're not up to snuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Rattle Road, I didn't ask you, what is your drink of choice? Doesn't have to be alcoholic. What's your drink uh, of choice? I'm pretty. Crap, I, I just that? got cut it out there. Can you hear me again? Yeah, we got yeah, uh, I'm pretty now. boring. Uh, honestly, I'm a water guy. I just, I stick with water That's most fair. of the time. Um, Dude, props. Props to you. That's better. But than if me. if I am drinking, usually oh, yeah. it's just some some beer or some wine. I'm pretty. I don't really do any of the hard stuff. It doesn't really usually sit too well with me. So I'm a pretty pretty yeah, simple. I usually I usually stay away from the hard liquors myself. I usually if I'm if I'm getting if I'm drinking some alcohol, it's usually a beer for me. So I don't blame you at all. I respect if that, it, and I respect the water movement. Yeah, more. Thank you. Thank you. If it, if Absolutely. I am taking shots, it's it's definitely tequila only. That's the only thing Ooh, I can smell. Not me. Right. No, not me. <laughs> you, you go, you go, you go from drinking water all the time to drinking tequila right off the bat. I mean, pretty geez, much. Yep. That's that's yeah. a that's a, that's an escalation. <laughs> yeah, it is. I appreciate you jumping on uh, Rattle Road. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate thank you guys you. for what you're doing. I love the uh, the fan inspired content. You're you're bringing the USMNT to a lot more people, so we appreciate that. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Thanks, thank buddy. You. We're doing what we can. And we do have another request. Look, they're rolling in now, Vince. They're rolling in. We've got, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Heiser. He can correct me. Hold on. I got to do this right. Uh, I could be totally wrong on the pronunciation of that. You're an Arsenal fan. Um, so first, I want to give my condolences, not only for that, but you're also <laughs> a Chicago Fire fan. <laughs> um, oh, what a combination. So, yeah, I know. So how's life besides that? <laughs> 
Um, I mean, after last night, I have a friend who's El Salvadorian, and he's just saying that we played horrible. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so the actual the, the the bigger question here is to like, since you're a Chicago Fire fan, are you also a Bears fan? Yeah, I'm born oh. and raised in Chicago. Oh well. Uh, welcome, welcome to pain. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal in the last year and Bears this year, just not a good combination. Oh, you do, you do have the ar- you do have the Arsenal trifecta in there though. You have Bears, Fire, and Arsenal. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. You like, I'm that, praying that for is you tonight, un- man. Underperformance at its core. <laughs> Dal- Dalton knows all about that, by the way. He's a Bears fan as well, so you're not alone here. But you know, yeah, it, it's definitely underperformance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have a drink of choice, whether it's alcoholic or not? Just what you, what's your go-to drink? Um, I'm in season, so I'm doing water all day. You Atta play? Boy. Yeah, I play. Oh, nice. Uh, what uh, what level or where? Like, what are you at? What are you doing? What position you play? Um, I'm a holding midfielder, and right now I'm in between places, but I'm hoping to get out to Chicago Fire Academy soon. That's nice. awesome. That's incredible. Uh, would you? Good luck. Would it? Uh, would you have thoughts wise on what we've been talking about? Um, just like I mean, the Canada thing sparked me, but the thing with El Salvador was when you guys were saying we're in the top four leagues and we're thinking that it was like an opening moment to me to like, yeah, I mean, we do need to be humbled by these teams of El Salvador, and this isn't the time for us to like lose points. And it's great that we got those last night, but our guys really need to learn that like every game is not, like, guaranteed. We're not going to go out there and win, yeah. especially against Canada, who just popped up. We can't treat them like they were five years ago. You're absolutely right. And that's the trouble that we got into a couple years ago when we went up to Canada and lost in the Nations League group stages because we didn't respect them as an opponent. And these are some of the tough lessons that a young team has to learn of taking. And this is exactly what I was saying earlier of, like, you learn this in the Premier League that you're not relaxed, you're not turning it off until you're 3 nothing up, and that's when you can kind of settle down and just play possession ball. But, like, until then, you're respecting your opponent, you're treating them all equal, you're trying to get, get goals as quickly as possible, try, playing effectively, you're not showboating, you're not doing anything, you're getting the job done. There's an effectiveness that you've got to kind of reach first. And then once you reach that level of effectiveness, then you can kind of start to relax and, and play your skills a little bit more. Um, this team still needs to learn that. We, we freestyle a little bit too much. You're absolutely right. It does feel like, too, um, just to add my two cents, is that just in soccer in general now, if you're a, a team that has more talent on the field, you, you're like, you feel like all of a sudden, oh, like on paper we win this game. Well, soccer yeah. games aren't played on paper. They're played on the right. field. Um, and so many things can happen. And, and the other team's trying to get you out of your rhythm. And you are, you are right. And it also goes back to what Chris said of like a, a humbling. I don't know if the United States needs a humbling. But I do know that, that there is definitely a confidence with this team that we haven't had in a long time. And you have yeah. to be really careful walking that line of confidence and cockiness of feeling like you deserve something. Because you don't deserve anything. Yeah. I, I don't – yeah, I, I agree. Like, the humbling to me happened as a program in Cuba. Like, I don't know if we if, – if it's like we can be any more humbled than that. Um, this specific generation, this team itself, needs to just have some coaches around them that tell them, like, hey, it's okay to remember that we're great and be, like, that kind of um, – 
you know, confident bunch, but channel that confidence into effective play and not showboatiness, not showing up and thinking that you're going to just take it because that's yeah. where you kind of like ebb back into the, the mentality that we had that, that got us in trouble in Kuva in the first place. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think like with our coach, Greg Berhalter, I mean, I don't know him that well outside of the national team, but we need a coach that's like, from these maybe even lower tiers of these other top five leagues in Europe where they lose a lot and they get promoted and relegated. So he goes there and he's like, you guys don't deserve anything. Like we have this attitude that because we plan Fulham and score six goals a game, we can yeah. go out to El Salvador and do the same. Yeah, exactly right. It, and it, this is exactly what I mean. Like you've got to treat every opponent the same. You know, it doesn't matter if Manchester City is playing Liverpool or Norwich. They have the same level of intensity from start to finish every single game. And that's why they beat Norwich 6 nothing. <laughs> like, that's, that's yeah. the exact type of mentality that you have. Show that your level's above. Show it on the scoreboard. Don't, try, don't show it with your arrogance and, and showboatiness. Show it with the effectiveness of your play. And I think, I think Vince, you mentioned this. I don't know what just spurred this in my mind um, with you just saying, show it with your play. But I, I was thinking last night, I was watching the game with my wife, and she goes, Christian Pulisic looks pissed all the time when he's playing. <laughs> yeah. I think you mentioned it to me about how he has more of that Landon Donovan in him. Like when he scores, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, that's right, instead of like a, a relief of just like euphoria. Yeah, <laughs> with Pulisic, it's like that's right. I just scored on you. You suck, and I it just spurred my my mo- uh, that moment in my head when you said that. And my wife last night just goes, Christian Pulisic just looks pissed like all the time when he's playing. I'm like, yeah, he just kind of he's like that. He's kind of like it's that. just the way he is. There, there. First of all, there isn't joy in his game right now. He's he, he's he has a difficult situation in Chelsea, and that's it, it's clearly rattling him mentally very very clearly mm-hmm. uh, but even before that you're talking about a guy that inherently has to prove himself a billion times when another player might have to prove himself twice or three times mm-hmm. um and that's what you're seeing there like you're seeing this edge of like he scores and he's like yeah that's right like i can do like this is I, i'm showing you what i am i've always been this Instead of that, like, euphoric, you know, uh, happy type of person, um, he's much more jaded, I think, when it kind of comes to that. It's like, I have to prove to everybody that the American can play, and that's always been how he's been as, like, the trailblazer for this generation, the first to do it, breaking all the barriers. And I, I bet that gets tiring for him. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm so sure it does, too. Like, yeah, from, from my perspective, the perspective of Americans in Europe is changing. And I don't necessarily think that he needs to feel that anymore. And that's why I said this earlier today. Like, somebody just needs to pull him aside and been like, you don't need to do that anymore. You're not carrying the torch. The whole team now is carrying the torch. You don't need to be the only one anymore. Like, Yeah, for a while there, it was like, Pulisic is the transition. Like, he he's is the, guy. the one that's yeah. carrying over. He's the great from, yeah. from that, that team against Trinidad to now. And now it's like, we've got, a, we've got a really good team around you, man. It's okay. Like, leave some of that responsibility to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, hey, we got the Soccer Capital podcast in the room. That's yeah. pretty cool. That Dalton, maybe you guys can, uh, can hook up here. Yeah. St. Louis City fans. 
Yeah, I messaged uh, I messaged him not long ago uh, saying I enjoyed his podcast. It's a very good podcast for anyone listening. Um, big fan of what St. Louis City is doing, which is why I feel even worse for the guy we just talked to, um, <laughs> being a Chicago Fire fan, because that's going to be a great rivalry, whether it's St. Louis and Chicago, as it is in every sport, or uh, St. Louis and Kansas City. I do have to know, though, to this Syracuse jersey collector in here, have you heard of that orange and orange drink? You don't have to, like, request to speak if you don't want to. Just, like, give me some kind of signal on here. I know you can do, like, little emojis and stuff. I got to know if you've heard of that orange and orange drink that I told you about. And if you haven't, promise me that you'll try it because it's incredible. I promise you. It's like the one mixed drink I'll try or drink consistently. I just wonder if every every single Syracuse student is just doing this on a regular I know. basis. <laughs> I know. Oh, he wants to speak. Here we go. The Cuse Jersey Collector. I have to know. What's up? First, uh, first, I have to know how much you love Jim Beheim. Oh, he's my hero. He's the man. There we go. He's, he's the man. And he's the king. Before... He's the king. He's the what king of your... the two-three zone. That's <laughs> the two-three zone. Like the only one year. doing it anymore. Even if they suck this year, he's still the the king of the two-three zone. That's fair. I don't know if there'll ever be another king of the two-three zone. What's your drink of choice, and it's not the one I told you, is it? Uh, honestly, I've never heard of that. Okay, okay. I've... So I'm, I'm, I'm taking you to new new places. Yes, yeah. Okay, but that, now, now you, you get to be the trendsetter. <laughs> now anytime you go to a Syracuse game, you can tailgate with this and be like, look, see, it's our, it's our signature drink. Yeah, I think you really could start something here. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I got to get up to Syracuse first, though, because I live in New Jersey. <laughs> There you okay. go. <laughs> okay, so big Syracuse basketball fan, I assume, more than anything. Yes. Nice, nice. Did you watch the game last night? Uh, yeah, I, I, I watch whenever the United States is on. I'll be watching that instead of the playoffs on Sunday. Hey, you're a good man. You're that a boy. Man. That a boy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're creating a movement here. You can do it with an orange and orange drink, and you can still feel connected to Syracuse. And also watching the United States. I think that's a great idea. Sounds, uh, sounds like something worth trying. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, what is, did you have any thoughts about uh, the El Salvador game or the game against Canada coming up? Yeah, I hope we can beat those rude Canadians. Yep. <laughs> as, as they're what what commonly to referred to online now. Yeah, what happened to Canadians? They used to be so polite. So, like, they were like, yeah, they're just like kind of our little brother. Like you said, it's just like, nice, you know, we're, we've got a good relationship. And all of a sudden, they're just talking massive they, amounts of shit. I hate they, it. They won't stop talking. And they've it's accomplished obnoxious. nothing. They've accomplished nothing. It's just, uh, it's obnoxious. Can't stand it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> they mean, hopefully, we can, hopefully, we can quiet them. But I yeah. don't know. I'm thinking we might get a tie. It depends on what Greg rolls out there. Yeah, this yeah. this feels like the game that you kind of have to like look at your little brother in the eye and just give him a nice little punch and just say like remember your place, remember your place. That that seems like what this game needs to be. I, I would love to see that. Hope, hopefully, Greg doesn't put Legit and Roldan and Zardes out there, and then maybe we'll get lucky if we get a tie. Uh, don't even speak that into existence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't put that in the universe. See, that's what's holding our team back because you never know what he's going to do. Is Greg's and, and I guess in if here you have listening? to rotate the squad, but like, 
he rotates it so stupid sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I agree. Yeah. He always like he's always good for just one decision that baffles me. Again, if Pepe starts yesterday, we went three or four nothing. We went oh, three or four. Co- nothing. He easily. easily scores the one on the back post. Yeah. Easily, it, it, I don't we know if three he or four scores nothing. the other one. I don't know if yeah. he scores the other one, but he definitely puts that uh, that one on the back post in. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the other thing is, like, once you get that one early, it opens up the game because then El Salvador has to chase and you have more moments in transition. So, like, we easily win three to four nothing. Easy. Yeah, and they're not, good at, they're not good at that. So, it change, it's so early in the game, it changes it completely. So. Yeah, I would agree. I did not ask you, by the way. I know your, your signature drink is not the orange and orange, as I've relayed to you. What is it, then? Like the like the guy that spoke before me, I work out all the time, so I I haven't drank alcohol in about three years. Oh, so you're, you're yeah. more of a water. That's yes. why I've offered. That's why I've been offering the non-alcoholic choice because I know a lot of people don't drink alcohol. So for those who don't, um, it, it's water for you then. Yeah, for the most part. I'm a big fan. I respect that. I respect that so Love much. It. Thank you. For you think Jamaica can time. can help us out in, uh, on Sunday? I I think so. Yeah, I, I, do, I do think so. I, I, I said this um, before the window. I, I think this could be a pretty disastrous one for Panama, specifically after they had the COVID issues. I don't know if you saw, saw me yeah. tweet this a couple couple days ago. Um, they, they're missing like half their roster. They really, yeah, they really are. I mean, like it's they, – they, they could have a very disastrous window for them. And I feel a little bit bad, but not really, if that makes any sense. Like I, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry for that, but you know, your pain's my gain, so it's okay. And Jamaica's getting their boys back too. Yep, exactly. They seem to be hitting their stride a little bit. Um, you know, they, they struggled early on, and they're getting some good run of results. Dalton mentioned earlier um, in in this show. Should have beat played, us. Yeah, they should have beat us. They should have they should have gotten a result against Mexico. So, I mean, like, they're, they're kind of hitting their stride late, and it seems like they're playing for pride a little bit. And they're still sort of on the cusp of the fourth place position. Like they, they've got, like, a mathematical route to it. So, like... It, if they're going to be motivated in that game, I think that um, I think they could get a result there. That would be a big help to us if they could if they could pull something out of there. Yeah, just I would looking totally at like I like I don't really care if we win the group or not. I I just want to get through. Yeah, and, yeah and, I think I everyone mean, relates. If you're to looking that, at yeah. fourth place, <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at fourth place, I mean, anytime they can lose, we got that. That's that's a big win for us. After Kuva, we have no business getting greedy. Like, just I, I just want to get to the World Cup, man. That's all. Uh, same, yeah, I want to same. see the United States playing in the group stage this winter in Qatar. So, not much beyond that. Obviously, you hope uh, you hope we can make it into the knockout rounds, which I, I think we can. But qualifying for the, for the World Cup is the first thing, no matter how it's done. It's like the win is a win. It's a win. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Too much Bud Light as I have sitting here. Um, it's like the, it's a win, a win is a win argument. Why can't I say that? Okay. A win is a win. Um, it's like qualified by any means necessary and we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. You know, qualify, qualify. It's fine. That's right. (laughs) Well, thank you for jumping in. Um, we appreciate you, uh, letting us know your thoughts and you have to try the orange and orange. I know I'm going to keep banging that drum until the end of this Twitter space. And I'm going to spread the gospel to all Syracuse fans until I see it all across their uh, their basketball arena. That's all I have to say about that. And if we don't have anyone else uh, that wants to say anything, of course, the floor is open to talk about whatever you want. 
uh, if we don't have anyone else, I think we had a good chat here, Vince. I think we, uh, I think we solved all the problems, talked about everything good that happened. What do you think? I think so. I think so. I mean, like, if only, you know, we collectively were the coach of the national team, I, I think yeah. we'd, we'd, be, we'd be on to something here. Exactly, exactly. Just a reminder, everyone listening in, um, you can follow me and Vince on Twitter, obviously. You can just click our little picture here on the space and give us a follow. You can also follow us uh, every week. We have a podcast every Wednesday. It releases. It's the USMNT Thoughts podcast. We have a lot of fun with that, talking about everything that you uh, could imagine as far as the United States soccer front. I have a different soccer podcast called the Soccer Academy, where I talk about all things related to soccer, not just in the U.S., but in the world. Um, So that's very fun to do. So just uh, check all those things out. Give us a listen. If you like us, if you like what we do, tell a friend. Tell a friend to uh, follow us on Twitter, follow our podcast. And uh, we like interacting with the audience. So if you ever want to message us and let us know something that we should talk about, just message us and let us know, and we'll talk about it on the podcast or in another Twitter space. So uh, overall, we want, we want it to be a, an interactive thing where we, where we uh, talk a lot with our audience. We don't want it to be a one-way conversation. Yeah, we get enough of those. I, 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 we talk, we talk to each other every week. I, I, with these, I want to talk to you guys. Yeah, one hundred percent. Other than that, it doesn't look like anyone else has anything to say. Um, the only thing I have left to say is, if you have, if you are so inclined and you want to, go ahead and go try an orange and orange tonight, or make it on Sunday whenever the United States plays against Canada, and uh, make it a good time. So uh, I had a lot of fun, Vince, doing this. Um, we're gonna, definitely going to do it some more in some uh, World Cup qualifying windows and also just uh, whenever we feel like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll do another one of these next week to close out the window. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, for joining. We appreciate it, and uh, have a good weekend. Go United States on Sunday, and uh, we'll be watching along, and uh, you can obviously follow us, like I said. 